0: This is Ron Moss from the heart. I, I, you know, one of the things that I, I I'd hate to talk about is when there's real serious discussions about race and racism. Because it's a topic that people don't want to discuss or deal with. Because we just we just wanted to go away, and and you hear people always say everybody tries to throw race into a conversation. I, I can be honest with you I, I, I wish that we didn't ever have to talk about race. I wish we didn't ever have to talk about black and white issues, but unfortunately, at sixty years old they It still exists, and it would appear that it's never going to go away when you have been historically and factually oppressed and people get used to it and it becomes a generational process. It's hard to change that narrative now has it got better? That we find that more people, more white people, uh, do understand that we can live and work together in this America and go along to get along and treat each other with dignity and respect. Yes, there are a lot of white brothers and sisters that feel that way. But also, there is a reality that and, and and I need to say this let me let me back up a little bit when I talk about there are good white brothers and sisters who feel that way that work in various departments too there are good white brothers and sisters who serve as police officers there are good white brothers and sisters who serve at, at banks and serve as presidents of banks and managers of banks. There are good white brothers and sisters who serve as managers of restaurants and managers of hotels and managers of transportation who have CEO positions in business, who have government positions and uh, that are higher up, who are who are who are management in in certain industries. There are good white brothers and sisters that exist. And and I want to make sure we've, we give credence to that. But there is a but. But there are also white brothers and sisters who have been brought up to believe that we will never be equal to them. We don't deserve to be equal to them. And they be damned if they ever look at us in a way of being equal. And unfortunately, those white brothers and sisters serve as police officers. They serve as CEOs of businesses. They serve as managers of hotels and restaurants. They serve as people who work for the highway department, people who serve in government businesses. They work in in the FBI. They, they work in the CIA. They're everywhere. And so what do you do when you run into those people and you realize that they're not the good brother, the good white brother, good white sister, that they are racist, that they actually hate people that look like me? There's a report that just recently came out or or had been maybe it's been out for a while that said the number one extremist group that America need to be concerned about is not some foreign entity. That is the white nationalists. Those groups right here at home. Now why am I talking about this? I-, I watched a spirited conversation the other day with uh Congressman uh Jamal Bowman and Marjorie uh Taylor Green. It it looked spirited. It it didn't look like anybody was being mean and nasty. Uh Mr. Bowman speaks with, you know, some energy. And uh but again was not in her face. We didn't do anything to disrespect her. She didn't do anything to disrespect him. It was a great spiritual little conversation and they kind of both walked away. And then she had a press conference. And she talked about how she felt threatened. And it was like, "Oh, oh. Here it comes." Now again, When you have people in the community who are looking for a reason to shoot and kill people that look like me. Then you give credence to it when you say this big black man was threatening me. I'm a blonde headed white woman. I'm feeling threatened by this big black man. Uh, I don't really have to tell y'all to do something about it. That should put y'all on alert to do something about it. Now. Just a few days ago, you saw some young black kids uh, who were getting their rental bike that they thought it was their bike, where you had this white sister who said it was her bike. And so they was having this discussion about who the bike belonged to. And all of a sudden, the white sister started to cry. She got emotional. And then she quickly stopped and you can hear one of the white, I mean, one of the young black brothers say, well, wait a minute, you were crying just a minute ago and you stopped. You know, and and <laughs> it, 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 it's not really funny. It's, it's somewhat scary because now the objective is if I can get emotional enough, the cops will show up they also and hopefully it'll be the cops that hey as soon as they see us the assumption is that we've done something wrong and we're criminals and we'll just we don't have to ask questions we'll arrest them and and do what we need to do and keep going you remember in and I think it was 2018 when the two black men were in Starbucks and they were waiting to have a meeting and Before you knew it, two police officers came in and arrested them. And there were other white patrons that were sitting there, uh, had not ordered, uh, but they were kind of picked out to say that they were being kicked out of there because they had or they explained that, hey, we're just waiting for the other two people to arrive and uh, and then we'll we'll go from there. But that did not matter. They were arrested You remember the woman in Oakland, uh, she called, the white woman who called the police on a black family uh, that was barbecuing, Uh, you know, just family just out to have a simple barbecue. Uh, And and I guess the question might just be, uh, why is it that some white people keep calling the police on black people or black Americans. And, and there was something that came up on this um, Vox story on the internet that said, white people call cops to remove black people because it often works. A few years ago, a Yale police officer pulled a gun on a black student who was casually walking through campus. Just, you know, like everybody else walking through campus, but unfortunately, there was a look or something about him that caused the cops to pull a gun on him. And and I, I guess then after they found out he was a student, I, I would imagine, I'm sure the cop could care less about being felt, you know, it didn't matter how he felt. It was that, hey, this is what we do. You know, if you're if you're clear, So be it. We'll we'll just move on. Sorry. Sorry it happened. Have a good night. Then if you remember, not too long ago, the white student at Yale called the police on a black student who had nodded off in the common area on campus. Uh, A few police officers showed up. She's somewhat confused because she just happened to nod off, you know, like anybody typically would do. And if we're honest, you know, that probably happens every day with probably white students, and it's just kind of normal, right? It would be considered normal. The scary part for me is, is that I know a lot of young black people, and I actually think about them in a way of praying that nothing happens to them, praying that when they go on a job interview that they'll be treated equally. And anybody, not just young people, anybody, you know, praying that, you know, if they have a resume that stands out, that the people will look at the resume and look at the experience and look at what they bring to the table and not base it on the color of their skin. Isn't it ironic that in 2023, I I, I listened to uh, uh, Nikki Haley and I think at one time even Tim Scott they, they almost made it as though race doesn't exist anymore, that the issue of race. And isn't it ironic that with Nikki Haley saying that, that if you all remember when that young white man, young white man came into that church in Charleston and killed all those people. And she was Nikki Haley was instrumental in getting that that flag off the state capitol. And that had everything to do with race. So when we, on one hand, make it convenient to talk about race, but on another hand, when we're running for something and we want to create a new narrative, we want to act like race doesn't exist. Race will always exist in America as long as we have black people in America and people of color in America because unfortunately through generations after generation after generation people have been taught they're being taught right now that they are a superior race of people and an inferior race of people and they're communicating that in a way that It's it's supposed to exist, even though we know it's not. There are people who are preaching at pulpits tomorrow, or today, or later today, who believe that biblically it's okay to treat people poorly, to, to treat people with no dignity, no respect. But the only way it's gonna change is that you and I, my white brothers, my white sisters who believe that right has to be right, and us African-American black folks, we gotta change the narrative. We gotta stand up and do what's right. We gotta vote and put people in power who share our interests. We got to make sure that the CEOs and the managers and, and people that with power are in those positions to treat everyone fairly, not to be put in those positions as judges. You know, there are people that are voting in as judges and and Supreme Court judges and judges and federal judges, and their job is to vote against anything that's geared towards making things equal for everybody. And and, and, and they put up their right hand and swore to it that they would do that. But we know now that, unfortunately, some things are just symbols, symbolism. They're just symbols. They're just what we do. But at the end of the day, once I get in here, I can do whatever I want to do. And it's, it's, it's got to change it's It's been happening for too long, people. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm 60. And it doesn't look like it's going away. I still believe that if we keep trying, we can make it together. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. Oh, yeah. Peace.